Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 57, Stand Up. As a recovering perfectionist, I so badly wanted to go back and re-record last week's episode because I forgot to add this chapter that we're going to cover today. I wanted to have all the Isaiah chapters put together in one episode, but I forgot this one, chapter 8. But the episode was resonating so well, so I just decided to leave it alone and to give myself an A for at least you got it done, Carrie. I appreciate each one of you who tune in each week to learn and liken the scriptures to yourselves. And then hopefully you're thinking of ways to lift others around you with the testimony of the gospel principles that we're covering here and that you're gaining more confidence and more assuredness in what you believe to be true. And there's a lot of work that goes into each podcast, a lot of reading and pondering, and then just just keeping a conversation going on with Heavenly Father, asking Him to help me see how the scriptures apply to my life in this day and age, and what does He want us to know from this chapter. And you know, it requires risk. Writing my notes and then finding a quiet moment, or sometimes a not so quiet moment, to record. And I am fully aware that when I put something out there, I'm giving people an opportunity to judge it. Either they're going to love it or not find any worth in it. And so sometimes it's hard to let it go. But I love how you keep coming back each week. And thank you so much for your reviews. They mean so much to me. And on weeks where I don't know how I'm going to be able to pull it all together, your reviews knowing that you took the time to lift me up, a stranger, by giving me positive encouragement motivates me to keep going. And if there is someone that you can think of that may benefit from the Sister Scriptorians podcast, I hope I hope you'll feel comfortable sharing it with them. We can be found on iTunes and on Spotify if that helps. Anyways, I know that when you share this podcast, it is placing a lot of trust in me. And I take that very seriously. And each time that I see that you recommend Sister Scriptorians or even like the Facebook page or the Instagram page, which I am still, if you ladies have suggestions, feel free to reach out to me, like what you would want to see with it. But I'm still trying to like gather up my courage to use social media in a positive way and and a not annoying way. (laughs) Anyways. I'm just very aware that when you do those things, that you're taking a chance on me, that you're risking liking something that I'm putting out there, and you're putting a lot of trust in me, and I thank you for it. So anyways, let's get back to the podcast. So this week, we're going to cover 2 Nephi chapter 8. And remember, Jacob is continuing to read the words of Isaiah, which can be found in our Bible, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, 
and just verses 1 and 2 in chapter 52. Remember last week that Jacob is speaking to the Nephites and that his anxiety is great for them regarding the welfare of their souls. It ever has been, he says. And I don't know if there is a particular issue that he was especially concerned about, perhaps just even the growing pains of society, the pitfalls that do come when a group of people begin to prosper, or the threats of the Lamanites against them, or, you know, can just be something as simple as that they are a people, a branch that has been broken off because the tree had turned to iniquity. And Jacob wanted to give his people a fighting chance to come unto Jesus Christ, to know him, to obtain his salvation that Jesus Christ offers to those who wait for him. Remember, Jacob taught the words of Isaiah that those who wait upon the Lord shall not be ashamed. Chapter 8 gives us more reasons why we need not be ashamed to wait for the Lord. In fact, He's going to show us how we can stand up. Isaiah writes, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. That's us. That is precisely what we are attempting to do, to follow after righteousness. So he's talking to you and he's talking to me. This is very personal. He continues, Look unto the rock from whence you are hewn and to the hole of the pit from whence ye are digged. And the next verse speaks a little more plainly. Who is this rock? Who is this pit? Here the Lord is telling us to look to whom we descend from, to remember our roots, where we came from. Isaiah speaks of Abraham and Sarah. We stem from them, either by birth or by adoption because of the covenants that we have made at baptism and will eventually make in the temple. We are a part of the family of Abraham. And the great promises that were made to him are alive and active in each one of us. And the Lord through Isaiah wants us to remember that. Does that give you confidence? Does that bring firmness in your step? Does that bring you comfort? Because the Lord promises that he shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Are you in need of comfort? Do you right now feel as if you are in a waste place? Trials, they can be brutal. (laughs) And it has taken a lot of spiritual maturing on my part to accept that very, very good people also experience difficult trials. You can't choose your way around affliction. That is why the promise of the Lord that he shall comfort Zion or his righteous people or that his comfort can even reach Zion's waste places those crevices within you and that it will make its way into Zion's wildernesses and desert and make it as beautiful as a garden. Even the beautiful garden of Eden brings us comfort. I have seen this in my own life 
So many times we wish trials away or at least try very hard to avoid them. Yet I know without a doubt that if I had not had some particular trials in my life, I would not have found the need to rely on the Word of God, to study the Word of God as much as I have, or to even sign up for that path of softening, which is not always a comfortable journey. My trials, coupled with my desire to be made righteous in Him, while I wait for the Savior, is what causes me to seek to understand His ways and to continue even now to work at understanding Him even more. I am constantly trying to figure out my Father so that I can be like Him and see things the way He sees them. The most beautiful testimonies for me personally come from those who have personally come to know the Savior, not in a philosophical way, but in a very intimate way. They know His mercy. They have been changed by His grace because when push came to shove and affliction came, they opened their hearts and made room for Him to reside there with them. They welcomed His comfort into their personal waste places and in their desolate deserts. Therefore they bloomed, and their faith produced a garden, and they waited for him unashamed. And when his comfort is working, they begin to feel the joy and gladness that they crave. There is thanksgiving within them, and the voice of melody, like Isaiah testifies of. The Savior is making a melody in each one of us, the succession of single tones that are connected with no variance. Sister Scriptorians, welcome his comfort. The Lord goes on to promise his law will come, and it has with the restored gospel of Jesus Christ through the prophet Joseph Smith. His judgment will come, and it will be a light to us. And isn't that true? The word judgment can be a scary term. Yet we are so blessed to know where he stands and what his standard is. Therefore, it is a light for us. He is near and his salvation is gone forth. And next week we'll elaborate more on that powerful stuff that Jacob taught. And Isaiah also says, and the isles of the sea will wait upon him. Jacob will teach that they, the Nephites, are an isle of the sea. So what can we do? How do I keep waiting and not become ashamed for my waiting? The Lord says, starting in verse 6, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. And the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell thereon shall die in like manner. (laughs) Sister Scriptorians, we live in a world where eventually everything will expire and vanish away. That is an important truth for us to ponder upon and accept. It's truth 
has the power to put so many of our pains into perspective. And us humans innately don't like this concept. We hold on and have a desire for permanency. We need permanency, especially when we're young, to thrive in our development. But you know, we need it when we're older too. We hate goodbyes. We struggle with death. We want to save the earth and not change anything about it. And many of us struggle with change. What will not change? What will not die? What will last forever and not ever be abolished is the salvation of the Lord. That is a primary characteristic of God that he is teaching us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. There is no varying in him, and he is everlasting. So when the changes and the ups and downs and the roller coasters and the whirlwinds in life cause so much upheaval and uncertainty for us, you can find assurance that his salvation is forever and that his righteousness shall not be abolished. Move towards the everlasting. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose hearts I have written my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. Hmm. How many of us struggle with this? Fear ye not the reproach of men. In this scripture, the Lord is speaking directly to you and to me. How many of us have altered our ways because of the mockings of the world? Perhaps even giving in to temptation to fit in so that we don't stand apart. We don't want to be made fun of, questioned, mocked, or rejected. How many of us are afraid to open our mouths to share the gospel? We don't want to appear holier than thou condescending or pushy? How many of us water down the gospel when we talk to others just so they won't be offended? And this can happen with conversations with those of our faith or not of our faith. It can be intimidating when we get that sense that we're conversing with someone who does not agree or who may bristle at the mention of principles that are so precious to us? And how many of us censor our testimonies because we attempt to manage the emotions or the reactions and judgments of those that we're talking to? Yet in return, are we aware that we then manage the effects of the Spirit upon us and even quiet His ability to testify of truth in that moment? Elder Lynn G. Robbins gave an awesome talk, referring to this weakness in some of us. His talk is called, Which Way Do You Face? Remember that one? And it's a question worth asking yourself. Which way do you face? Are we heeding the scorn and the mocking from the great and spacious building? Remember what the prophet Lehi observed in his dream. For as many as heeded them had fallen away. Are we trapped in the snare of peer pressure 
adapting our behavior in order to not give offense? Of course, we shouldn't be callous or arrogant in our dealings with our fellow men, but we should stand up for truth and righteousness at all times and in all things and in all places. And what is the guiding principle or points of doctrine that can help us when we do start to feel weak or intimidated in the moment. Elder Robbins warns us to not invert the first and the second great commandments. So don't put the second before the first. The first is the first for a reason. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And when I hear this, I think to myself, I have got to get good at practicing both of these principles simultaneously, but always placing utmost importance on the first. So many problems in our life would be solved if we learned how to combine both of these principles. So what should we do? Father knows we're weak. Father knows what we need to be strong, though. The Lord says, awake, awake. Put on strength, O arm of the Lord. In D&C section 113 verse 8, we're given the definition of what put on strength is. It is to put on the authority of the priesthood. Let us rely upon the priesthood more fully. And find strength in it. One way is to review over and over again the words of the prophets from General Conference. Do it. Review the talks that brought you peace. And write that down. Capture why. And I encourage you to prayerfully seek direction from the Lord regarding any talk that you may have struggled with. Rely on priesthood authority. For strength, find strength in the process of asking, seeking, and knocking. Don't turn away from those hard talks. The ones that bristled you or caused hurt, don't turn away. Dig in and gather strength from them. We are promised in verse 11 that as we do so, we shall obtain gladness and joy. And that sorrow and mourning shall flee away. In moments where we do fear, where we do waver, we only need to remember who he is to focus us back on the patient waiting that does not produce shame in him. Isaiah helps us with this, beginning in verse 10 and then kind of scattered throughout the remainder of the chapter. We're reminded that our Lord is the God who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over. And reading this verse brings to mind the parting of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Israelites through the sea on dry ground. He stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. But I am the Lord thy God, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is my name. And I have put my words in thy mouth and have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand. We can't see sometimes in the moments of affliction. It's easier to look back and see it. 
to wonder how we possibly survived it, how we knew to make the decisions that we made, how we were even able to cope. And then we look back and see, no, it wasn't us. It was him through his grace that he even gave us a covering to help shelter us, put us in his shadow until we got through it. And finally, when has he testified to you? Thou art my people. This is the God that we wait upon. When we remember who he is, we can stand. The Lord asks in verse 13, Forgettest the Lord thy maker? And then goes on to ask us, Why are you fearing continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor? As if he were ready to destroy And this can point out to us how misplaced our fear is when we fear man. But it also means, to me at least, how misplaced it is for me to fear Lucifer. He has no power to judge me or to condemn me. And fearing him is facing the wrong direction. Jerusalem, and therefore us, must awake though. We must put on our strength, our priesthood power. We must put on our beautiful garments. We must shake ourselves from the dust. We must arise and sit down. I love that, by the way. It says to me, Arise to the standard of the Lord and stand up and be accounted as his people, but then sit down and be comforted in him. Rest from the contention that seeks to arouse you. Submit to his ways and find strength in his priesthood. When we do these things, we will more easily remember that we are the covenant children of Abraham and Sarah. We will not feel ashamed. Instead, comfort will fill our desert places and make them fertile with his love. In this state, we will more easily embrace the everlasting and let go of the fleeting. Therefore, we will not any longer fear men. We will know how to love God and our fellow men at the same time. And with priesthood power that we gain by relying upon priesthood authority, we will be equipped to stand up and then sit. What must you do to stand taller? Do you need to better remember whose you are? Do you need to better know your Savior and what He has done for you? Do you need to choose His comfort that He offers instead of the fear in your heart? Do you need to learn how to face Him by loving Him first? Do you need to learn how to combine both love for Him and your fellow men? Do you need to learn how to put on your strength? In doing these things, you will be prepared to stand and then sit.